0: Good Wednesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and thank you kindly for joining us on the I Love Seville Show. We are live in our studio on Market Street, one block from the police station, a block from the Albemarle County Courthouse, the Charlottesville Courthouse, one block off the downtown mall. We are a mile and change from Thomas Jefferson's University, a mile and change from Scott Stadium in the Rotunda, and smack dab in the middle of the heartbeat of a city we love dearly, Charlottesville, Virginia. A show that spotlights not only Seaville but Central Virginia in totality, a market of three hundred thousand people, of many different ideologies and socioeconomic statuses, status I statuses? I think statuses is correct. Central Virginia, a hodgepodge of thoughts, wealth, habits human behavior, um, which makes the region interesting, uh, which creates tensions and frictions and dynamics that we highlight often on this program, and we will today. Take a look at the screen for some of today's headlines. Brad Wilcox is a renowned sociologist. He's a friend of the program. I see Brad Wilcox um, often around the Easter holiday. He is a sociologist at the University of Virginia, an esteemed and and appreciated and respected professor, tenured professor, an author, a, a national known commodity in the sphere we call sociology. In fact, yours truly took a summer class with Professor Wilcox, Sociology 101, in the summer of 2001. So in 2001, I first met Professor Wilcox and found him compelling, uh, found him profound in thought. He was one of the professors at the university, much like Ken Elzinga, the esteemed and renowned economics professor that captivated my attention. There were few that did, frankly, and that was more a reflection of me and a lack of maturity and and a mindset that wanted distraction when it came to girls and and entrepreneurial endeavors and partying and having freedoms um, associated with going to college um, and leaving what was potentially a a strict two-parent household, Um, probably best served me with a gap year but when i was going from high school to college a gap year was not really embraced i hadn't even heard the term gap year until a handful of years ago the expectation was graduate from high school and you know i did well in in high school uh went to a catholic school in williamsburg private school did well on standardized tests, had all the extracurriculars in the clubs and the sports and the uh, leadership um, boxes checked on my college application, got into the University of Virginia early and frankly started coasting. <laughs> um, but Wilcox, he had a way of connecting with students that I found um, compelling in the summer of 2001. And Professor Wilcox has authored a book that I want to highlight on today's program. Um, He's the director of the National Marriage Project at UVA. He wrote Get Married Why Americans Must Defy the Elites, Forge Strong Families, and Save Civilization. And on this Valentine's Day in 2024, which is nearly 23 years after I, was first, uh, after I first encountered Pre- uh, Professor Wilcox as a precocious and distracted, soon-to-be second year at the University of Virginia. I find myself compelled um, by Professor Wilcox again. Um, Virginia's media arm, which you can find online at news.virginia.edu, And one author, Mike Mather, interviewed Professor Wilcox to highlight his book on marriage. I thought it was fitting on Valentine's Day to discuss this and some of the dynamics from the book, including Professor Wilcox's research that marriage will yield monetary gain, uh, greater gain generally than those who choose to remain single, Marriage yields more happiness than those who choose to remain single. And children that are byproducts of an intact household have opportunities of success that children of broken households do not. For example, Professor Wilcox's research indicates that non-intact families Reduce children's odds of graduating college by 50%, and if you are a young man from a divorced family, your odds of landing in jail or prison increase by twofold. We'll talk about his book, we'll talk about his research on today's program. Also on the program, I want to highlight Swananoa Country Club. It's for sale right now. The asking price is $3,500,000, 236 acres. Judah, you can rotate some of those photos on screen. Swananoa Country Club and its golf course are the anti-golf course in a lot of ways. Rules um, at Swananoa Country Club are few and far between. You will often see dogs running amok on the course, chasing geese away from fairways and greens, while you're hitting a uh, five-iron or a sand wedge out of a bunker or your 10-degree driver uh, from the tips. Literally dogs chasing geese off the golf course. At Swananoa Golf Course and Country Club, you'll see golfers in jean shorts. Yes, jorts are a thing. Judah Woodcower wore a pair of jorts on our last 70-degree day. Um... We'll highlight that on today's program as well. That is a bald-faced lie. Um, you're, you have a problem with jorts? <laughs> you prob- wouldn't wear jorts? I have a problem. Are you on the show, or are you speaking without being on screen? Uh, neither of us is on screen. Okay. Jorts. I'm showing pictures. Jorts. You wouldn't wear jorts?
1: Uh, I've never really been a jorts fan. Why? I'm just... Uh, they don't appeal to me as a style choice. Are you a shorts
0: man at all? Uh, when I'm on the
1: beach, the only time Occas- you wear shorts is when you're on the beach. Mostly, occasionally when it's hot. But uh, I'm just. I... What's the beef with shorts? Mm, they just don't appeal to me. I don't. I don't like the feel of them. I don't. Like, you don't like uh, the feel of shorts. Mm, what does that mean? That means I prefer to have my legs. Are we on covered. screen?
0: Yeah. What, is the, what, is, what does that mean, you do not like the feel of shorts? It means Out of I curiosity. Prefer to have my legs covered. Prefers to have his legs covered, okay. Learned something about Judah Wickower. We've worked together for 13 years and changed. The first time I've heard that Judah Wickauer does not like shorts and does not wear shorts. I have noticed that you never wear shorts. It could be 105 degrees and significant humidity, and Judah Wickauer shows up to work in slacks. And often long sleeve shirts. Because it's not. Usually that... buttoned down. Because it's usually. You have to walk here, Judah. You're yeah. walking from your car that you park off Park Street in over 100 degree weather with significant humidity and pants and a long sleeve shirt. So
1: you're suggesting I bring clothes to change into when I get here? I, I just
0: you're 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 uh you march to the beat of your own drum and that's what makes you uh unique and likable
1: i mean a five to ten minute walk in the heat is one thing but sitting in uh, a chilly office in shorts
0: and uh, short sleeve shirt for uh the entire day one of the few if not only people who say that in this office is you um which, you know, adds to the flavor that is due to Wickhauer. Swananoa Golf Club for sale, $3,500,000. I've actually played this course. 3500000 the asking price, 236 acres. Show the sign from Swananoa Golf Course. Let us know when that's on screen. It says literally on the sign outside the country club, country club in air quotes. Look at rule number three under course rules must wear shirts. You must wear shirts at Swananoa Golf Club. A rule that must be put on the sign outside the air quotes clubhouse. How do you know you're in the country? I have played this course. I have seen jorts, dogs chasing geese. I've seen many golfers riding the back of a golf cart not sitting in the golf cart, but riding the back wall standing of a golf court, shotgunning Budweisers as their mullets flow in the wind of an eighteen mile an hour breeze from the golf court the golf cart hauling tail over and around a bunker on the six hole of this course. You have not lived until you have seen. One of the Shenandoah Valley's finest and jean shorts, jorts, a cut off flannel red shirt, a meshed hat, mullet blowing in the wind, shotgunning bud heavies while standing on the back of a golf cart as it hauls tail down the six hole, weaving through and around bunkers. $3,500,000 asking price for 236 acres, an extraordinary opportunity as it's being marketed by Tim, is it Michelle? I would say it's Michelle of McLean Foster. It might be Mickle, Michael. He says the Swalde Country Club is a current, currently a beautiful, beloved golf course sited on the top of the Blue Ridge Mountains, 20 minutes west of Charlottesville. UVA and convenient to the valley. The property is being offered as is. It has great potential for residential development, vineyards. The owners make no representations regarding the golf course business. I would imagine the golf course business is struggling mightily. That's me offering that perspective. That's not in the listing. The Swatanoa property is located adjacent to the Shenandoah National Park, the Blue Ridge Parkway near Wintergreen, and the Crozet Tunnel. This is breaking news. You'll see this in the traditional media cycle. Um, this is part of the late Phil Delaney estate that's being um, piecemealed um, by, you know, slowly coming to the market by his, chair, by his heirs in the next generation. Remember the uh, former was it Virginia Oil site on Ivy Road is currently on the market with um, the fantastic real estate firm Frank Hardy front of the program having that listing. In in the last few weeks, we've highlighted two fairly established uh, deep throat. I I thought the same. I'll get to your comment here in a matter of moments. In the last few weeks, we've highlighted two fairly established. Um, commodities that have hit the for-sale market. We let you know, we broke this news, that Whitehall Vineyards is for sale. The asking price is $12 million for Whitehall Vineyards. And the asking price for Whitehall Vineyards at $12 million is a pretty substantial and massive property. Um, 172 acres, Whitehall, with a tasting room, And a massive manor house that's 11 bedrooms and 9 baths. $12 million for Whitehall, which was built in 1992. Actually, it's 210 acres. I stand corrected. I apologize. 210 acres. Now, Swannanoa, the asking price, and I'll share the listing on the social feeds this show airs on, has an asking price of 236 acres, or has a acreage of 236 acres at an asking price of three million five hundred thousand. I thought the same thing. That deep throat just DM me, and I'll read his. If you want to put his photo on screen, fifteen thousand per acre. How is that not a bargain? And he says you think Swananoa is a development opportunity rather than a sale of going concern public course. I think it's definitely, definitely a uh, development opportunity and not a golf course. I'm going to take the link for Noah. I'm going to put it in the comment section of my Facebook page. Charlesville Oil, thank you. I'm going to put it in the comment section of I Love Seville. The comment section of the I Love Seville group. The comment section of LinkedIn, and I'm going to put it in the Twitter thread of this talk show, literally as we speak, so you, the viewer and listener, can have an opportunity to uh, view yourself what we're talking about. So it's on Twitter now, 3.5. Million asking price. <clears throat> um, I think this is a development opportunity. I think that's the play here. Um, I do not think the play is to run this as a golf course um, for jorts and cutoff flannels, mesh trucker caps, and mullets blowing in the breeze of an eighteen mile an hour. Governor-regulated golf cart that weaves through um, bunkers and traps as someone is standing on the back of it, pounding bud heavies, shotgunning bud heavies. I would imagine the meme accounts is going to have, or will have, some fun with that golf course golf cart reference. in yours truly. No um, I want to start the program with a quote. That has resonated with me. It's a version of of a um, piece of advice or a quote that George Bernard Shaw said. And that quote is A reasonable man never achieved anything. A reasonable man never achieved anything. I'll unpack that on this fine and fair Valentine's Day in 2024 by offering some perspective. An unreasonable man is one who persists on finding change or innovation or making the world adapt to how he wants it to be or how she wants it to be. A reasonable man is one who's willing to toe the status quo follow the company line and join rank and file. And it's, there's a gray area to live with challenge and unreasonable and persisting and innovating. And within that gray area, a lot can be discovered or found. You can learn about yourself. You can learn where you potentially want to be personally and professionally, you can discover strengths and understand weaknesses. In that gray area, you start to realize that you don't truly appreciate the highs of life until you experience the lows of life. So on this Tuesday, February 14th, I guess it's Wednesday, February 14th in 2024, I will remind or encourage all the viewers and listeners to pursue a life that challenges and and pushes you outside of your comfort zone or your box of comfortability. And remember the George Bernard Shaw quote, a reasonable man never achieved anything. From time to time, it's okay to punch the perimeter of the box and break it down and make a new box. Maybe it's even a circle. Because in that moment, you'll learn something about yourself that perhaps you knew existed or perhaps you knew wasn't even there to begin with. Let's go to Neil Williamson. Judah Wickhauer brought this to my attention. We appreciate the president of the Free Enterprise Forum quite a bit. He watches this program. In fact, we should get his photo on screen even if he has not commented or watched. Um, oh, I think he is watching the show. Um, he wrote this yesterday. should have brought this up yesterday. Is his photo on screen, Niels? Yep. It's a good man, that Neil Williamson. Mm-hmm. Um, in the ilovesievil.com viewer rankings, the power poll you can find online at ilovesievil.com forward slash viewer rankings. It looks like um, you need to update the headline to include today's date. You still have December 18th on there, JDubs. Um, Neil Williamson is ranked in our poll 19. On his website, the Free Enterprise Forum, this particular uh, writing is not a long one or an uh, analysis. Blog post is not a long one, so I'm going to read it verbatim. And I'll start with the headline, Free Enterprise Forum, fantastic website. The headline is, A Home Without a City is Charlottesville Abandoning Citizens. He uses a GIF, JIF, what's, what's the preferred? GIF, JIF? Uh, I believe it's GIF. GIF, like peanut butter? GIF. GIF, like something I give our son on their birthday? gif Yeah, I believe the G stands for graphic. Gift.
1: Gif. Gift. There you go. Should we put that one on the list? Death nail. Hit the nose on the head. Hit the nose on the death nail.
0: Hit the nose on the death nail with the gift. You should put that on the list of things, Jerry. What's the headline of that? What's the title of that document we've created? Words Jerry mispronounces. Words Jerry can say. Uh, Was matriculate on there? Is that one that I like to use? I
1: think you pronounced that one correctly. I don't know that you always use it correctly.
0: How about assimilate? Undoubtedly.
1: Assimilate? You said that right.
0: Thank you. Neil Williamson, president of the Free Enterprise Forum, writes this. A troubling new municipal practice has come to the attention of the Free Enterprise Forum. According to reputable sources, the city of Charlottesville is choosing not to provide services to some of their taxpaying residences. Residents. Because their street is not accepted by the city. We have heard of non-enforcement of parking policies, Neil writes, as well as slow to no replies on many public safety issues. While the city is willing to assess and collect taxes from these homes... They are seemingly not willing to provide basic city services to these homes. Where do they draw the line? If a building catches fire on an unaccepted road, will the Charlottesville Fire Department answer the call? Many of these roads have been in existence for greater than four years and have been held up by bureaucratic issues with the city's engineer division of public works. If the city is willfully denying government services to taxpayers, should the city provide a tax refund to those underserved citizens? Again, we have more questions than answers. Respectfully submitted, Neil, the king of content. Williamson, was number 19 in the poll. I. This is... How do you characterize this? If true and... I, I take Neil at his word.
1: I'm definitely eager to, to learn more about this. I'd like more
0: information on this for sure. Yeah, but yeah, if it's true, it's... Troubling i
1: mean the city is willing to i mean it's not surprising i suppose um, uh, not just not just Charlottesville but any any government institution willing to take your money but uh less than uh, forthcoming with you know what the what those tax dollars
0: should be uh, affording you. It seems crazy. This seems crazy. This is this seems, this seems like an alternate universe.
1: Yeah, uh, and and who's, by whose uh, by whose measure are are the streets not uh, not accepted?
0: <laughs> Another good question. Who's the barometer of acceptance is what you're basically asking.
1: Yeah, and if you're any like, is. I don't know. I It just blows my mind. Like, do they, does that street become, like, an independent entity that's outside of the scope of the city?
0: And like, why are they not um, providing the services? Or
1: some, ha- some I guess, uh, guideline for making those areas accepted by the city. Is there, I, I just don't, you know, it's... I definitely want more information. Uh, Deep
0: Throat says this for Neil Williamson, and he shares the link. Neil, I'm going to take the link that Deep Throat just sent us and send it to you. The city just lost its head engineer, he says. Here's the job posting link. The city of Charlottesville, Deep Throat says, just lost its head engineer, by the way. The job is posted online. I'm going to the link he's uh, sharing, and he's right. The city engineer performs complex technical and administrative work directly in overseeing engineering. The salary range is ninety-eight thousand five fifty to one hundred and twenty-three thousand five hundred. The city engineer is asked to perform complex technical and administrative work directly and directing and overseeing engineering projects for the city. Areas of work include, but are not limited to traffic engineering, sidewalks, drainage, storm water, erosion, sediment control, road and bridge construction, repair and inspections of bridges and retaining walls, construction support, and public-private pro- uh, project collaboration for utilities and land development. The position has supervisory responsibilities over division personnel, such as other engineers, project managers, inspectors, The position reports to the public works director. If you'd like to apply, here's the link. Wow. So Neil, I'm gonna take this and I'm going to message this to you right now and perhaps this could offer more background and color on what you wrote yesterday on the free enterprise forum. If I was a tax-paying citizen in the city, and I was not getting—and um, Neil, I just Facebook messaged it to you. It's in your Facebook message inbox now from Deep Throat. And I was—and this was happening to me. I would—I would ask: Shouldn't I get some of my tax dollars back?
1: Yeah, no doubt.
0: Like. The city of Charlottesville is choosing not to provide services to some of their taxpaying residents because their street is not accepted by the city. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean?
1: And he also asked some good questions about what, what does that mean in terms of uh, if you have a problem, if uh, you have a problem that the city would normally take care of, like a fire or, uh, you know, or somebody, something that would require uh, police presence. Like I said, are you just living in, like, undiscovered country somehow? Like, I'm sorry, we don't go there.
0: Yeah. And where is it in Charlottesville? Yeah. John Blair, watching the program number two in the family, put his photo on screen. He says, on the Afton Mountain topic today, on the Afton Mountain topic, today Augusta County got a $500,000 Brownfield grant, to water wastewater work on Afton Afton Mountain. I think this could turn into a major development if an owner can assemble these properties together. Both Augusta County and Nelson County, as well as Waynesboro, are staunchly behind redeveloping that area. Here is a link to the Grant press release, and he shares it in the LinkedIn comments of uh, the show that's airing on that platform. Wow, John, I didn't know that. He says, on the Afton Mountain topic you're covering today... Augusta County got a $500,000 brownfield grant to water and wastewater work on Afton Mountain, and he says he believes this could turn into a major development if an owner can assemble these properties together. Both Augusta County and Nelson County, as well as Waynesboro, are staunchly behind redeveloping that area. Swananoa is not that far from Charlottesville. In the listing which I shared online, it says it is I wouldn't say it's 20 minutes. It says 20 minutes west of Charlottesville. That's a little smoke and mirrors there. It's a little longer than 20 minutes, <laughs> but there's a lot of opportunity here. I would also love to see if uh, Sir Neil Williamson has more um, perspective that he can share because we would love to highlight it on the show. Johnny Ornalis, Guadalajara, El Mariachi, and Mahi welcome to the program. Kevin Yancey, Philip Dow, Ginny Hu. Welcome to the program. Thank you kindly for joining us. TV station down the road is watching us as well as one of the reporters at the local newspaper. Thank you kindly for joining us on the show. Um, Carly Wagner watching the program. Let's get Carly's photo on screen. Carly is number three in the family. She's actually an engineer by trade and also a licensed realtor as well. She's offering perspective on the marriage piece and the engineering piece. She says, Neil, are these roads privately owned? She says, Neil, under the state system? Neil, the responsibility for each road should be clearly defined between private ownership and what public entity is responsible, city, state, or VDOT. She says, VDOT has a database of which streets fall under which entity. That's rather low for such a role. She's talking about the compensation for the city engineer. One of the reasons, and Lloyd Snook and Juan Diego Wade will be on Friday's edition of Real Talk with Keith Smith, live and in studio, Friday at 10.15 a.m. We have the mayor of Charlottesville and the former mayor of Charlottesville, who's a current city councilor. Juan Diego Wade, Lloyd Snook, and Brian Pinkston have shown um, early signs that they are going to raise the real estate tax rate from 96 cents uh, per hundred to an even dollar per hundred. And they highlighted the need to raise the real estate tax rate from 96 cents to a dollar even because they want to compensate current city employees and future city employees to a higher tune to attract more talent and to retain talent. I believe they've
1: already raised some, some of the, uh, the pay scales for some of those. Positions.
0: And we have no problem uh, with... Uh... Paying people what they deserve. Paying people more money. We have no problem. We're all for that. Our challenge is... Finding the, that money. What's that? Finding that money without
1: bankrupting the rest of us. There.
0: That's, that's the challenge. Our challenge is, is the spending nature of government. We have no problem paying people what they earn, what they deserve, to keep them in the job. But yeah. if you are doing that, you probably should cut back elsewhere. So the common Sally and the common Joe does not get. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, re- gentrified. Gentrified. I was going to say screwed. Screwed. That works too. Albert Graves, thank you for the retweet. Ginny, who is giving you some props on the uh, uh, temperature in the studio. There's there's one person on your side right there. Um. All right, I want to get to Brad Wilcox. Brad Wilcox is a sociologist. He's a PhD. He's a professor. He's a known commodity in uh, sociology circles, I would say, worldwide. Worldwide. He's got a book that is... um, called Get Married, Why Americans Must Defy the Elites, Forge Strong Families, and Save Civilization. He claims in this book that getting married and staying married is one of the single biggest predictors of wealth, success, and happiness in life. He's got a bunch of research to back this up. This is the same Brad Wilcox, who's the director of the National Marriage Project at the University of Virginia. I first encountered Brad Wilcox as a soon-to-be second year at the University of Virginia, summer of 2001. So I've known Professor Wilcox for, golly, almost 23 years. Nice. I've had the fortunate uh, experience of enjoying some Easter festivities with Professor Wilcox over the last uh, handful of years, hmm. um, as his in-laws are our neighbors. Oh, okay, his in-laws, fabulous people, Brad and his wife, absolutely fabulous. Interestingly, Brad met his wife Danielle as a fourth year at the University of Virginia. He attended Thomas Jefferson's University as well, and he's been married for 28 years. He's got two fantastic daughters that we, my wife and I, cross our fingers, would be willing to babysit our two boys. A couple things that struck, stood out for me from the Q&A that Virginia's media arm did with Professor Wilcox as he's releasing this book. This is an interesting one. Children of divorced families... Are fifty percent less likely to graduate from college. Boys of divorced families. Their odds of landing in jail or prison increase by twofold. Twofold. Boys of divorced families. He also describes what is a new mentality among Gen Zers and young millennials. It's called the Midas Mindset. I've never heard of this term. The Midas Mindset. I either. And the Midas Mindset is the idea, Brad Wilcox says, that what really matters in life is education, money, building your own brand, and getting a great career, rather than focusing on getting married and having a good family. The mindset of society and mankind has changed. Boomers... You are what generation? Can we get the generational chart on screen? What are you? I'm gener I believe I'm generation X. Let's you're Gen X, the generation right before millennials, right? Uh yes. What is the what is the age range for boomers? And you're putting the chart on screen?
1: Chart is on screen. Boomers, uh Oh, that's crazy. Um I wonder if there's any any flex in that. Uh, my dad actually What's
0: you're getting distracted.
1: The age of boomers uh 40, 1946 to 1964. Okay? So uh what 79 78 years old to uh or that's the that's the high end and 64 would be uh 58
0: 60? Yeah. 58 59 60. Yeah. Okay. Gen, uh, Gen X,
1: Gen X 65 to 1980. So you've
0: got, uh, we, we're we're not going to test our arithmetic skills live on air. Clearly, they're a little rusty, probably because we have calculators on our wrists, and in the palm of our hands, and we don't need to actually do math anymore. Just like we don't have to spell anymore. Just like we don't have to write sentences anymore.
1: It's like we don't have to do
0: cursive writing anymore. My son in kindergarten is learning cursive and penmanship. And it just blows blows me away, like, watching him do... cursive was always terrible. Cursive. Here's the point of what we're getting at. Boomers, Gen Xers, and I would even make the argument for old millennials. The expectation was graduate high school go to college start your career after college <coughs> get married and have kids young millennials gen zers <coughs> what's gen alpha range uh
1: they are at the youngest
0: about uh 14 and the oldest are or- 2010 to 2020 is what we're looking for.
1: Yeah. I meant
0: uh, the I meant, oldest is 14. I meant the earliest. Yeah. Gen, young millennials, Gen Zers, and Gen Alpha, the mindset is not graduate high school, go to college, start a career, get married, and have kids. <laughs> the mindset now is go finish high school, find yourself. Discover yourself. Gap year. NEAT, the acronym. Not employed, educated, or training. Yeah. (laughs) We just learned that term, NEAT. Not seeking employment, education, or training. NEAT. Mm -hmm. And according to Professor Wilcox, this Midas mindset is one of the reasons he predicts more than one in three young adults will never marry. He said that will be a record. One in three young adults will never marry. That's why he encourages his students not to pursue the Midas mindset. He says his research indicates marriage is a more powerful predictor of happiness than money than the degree on your wall or a job, and nothing compares to a good marriage when it comes to forging a meaningful and happy life, according to his research. Let's unpack this. It makes sense. The money piece makes perfect sense. You get married. If you have dual income, you're going to have more money if you get married, even if you have a singular income, you're going to probably be budgeting and more conservative with your finances because you have other mouths to feed. No doubt. You get married, probably your likelihood of getting a mortgage and owning a home increases. You get married, the likelihood of savings is going to increase because you have to plan for the worst in some circumstances. Yeah. If he predicts one in three young people will not get married, what is the byproduct of that?
1: Uh, I mean, China is currently, I think, staring down the barrel of that gun.
0: Population decrease.
1: It's crazy to think that just, what, two or three decades ago, uh, probably more like three... Three to four decades ago, people were worried about a population explosion pretty much destroying the world. I guess we're not worried about that anymore.
0: And you spoke in the beginning of the show of marriage and how it's being portrayed by media.
1: Not just media, but, uh, I mean, he says it himself in the... uh, Talks about left-leaning mainstream media figures saying marriage is bad, and it's funny that he says the left-leaning, uh, the left-leaning people are saying this to the women that women don't need to get married, and apparently the uh, the right-wing media figures are telling the same thing to men. Men don't need to get married. Uh, Andrew Tate, a big voice in what he. Calls the manosphere uh, has said there is zero advantage to marriage for men, and I think if you feed that, uh, if you if you feed that to people, if uh, if they uh, if they eat at that trough for long enough, then eventually they start to believe it.
0: What's the divorce rate in America?
1: Um, I think it's probably about fifty percent. I think that's been pretty standard across the board.
0: See if you can find the U.S. divorce rate.
1: I guess I was wrong. Uh, the reality—it's uh, commonly said that half of all first marriages end in divorce. However, the reality is more complex. The American Psychological Association estimates that the probability of a first marriage ending in divorce within the first ten years is approximately thirty-three percent in 2023.
0: Still, a pretty high number. One in three. If young millennials, Gen Zers, I'll even throw old millennials, are byproducts of a divorced society, either themselves or friends, they clearly will be influenced by upbringing and could be disenchanted. Distrusting, demoralized, jaded.
1: If this is how it ends, why why do I want to do it? Why make a start?
0: The same argument made with a lot of folks when it comes to seeing what their parents went through in the 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011 real estate crisis. A lot of kids that grew up watching their parents navigate 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, were jaded when it came to the housing and the economy because of a great recession in our country. Mm -hmm. So, are we seeing one in three, as he puts it, of young adults choosing not to get married or may choose not to get married as a indicator of the Midas mindset, them pursuing wealth, influence, personal brand, professional career, or is it also a piece or or part of the puzzle of going through this divorce culture? Is it also part of the puzzle of media? You watch television, Netflix, you watch YouTube, you watch any kind of, absorb any kind of media, and divorce is common language. It's all these elements yeah. that are influencing young millennials, Gen Zers, and will influence Alpha, Gen Alpha.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's a variety of reasons why why people decide not to get married.
0: But something that we should unpack even more. If one in three choose not to get married, those that do get married and stay married is that another factor like home ownership for general, generational wealth creation? If you're a child of a marriage, you're 50% more likely, he says, to graduate from college. You're way less likely to go to jail or prison.
1: Half as likely.
0: For college. Twofold, he said, for jail and prison. Yeah, that's half. So my point is this. When you're talking generational wealth... You talk homeownership, some folks throw the college degree in there, but I'm not buying that so much anymore, is another factor byproduct of intact household.
1: Yeah I think uh, I think there, there's going to be a variety of reasons that, uh, that, that <coughs> That make people make the decisions they make, some of them are going to be uh, some of them some of them are going to be responses to uh, to marriages they 've seen not work out. I think some of them are as he mentioned uh, they're going to be just a sense that uh, that it 's all pointless or that it 's not going to work out that uh, that you know dating <coughs> is changing and is no longer You know, you no longer just, like, go to the hop and dance with a a girl, you know. Go to the
0: hop? Yeah. What? What is the hop? Go to the hop and dance with a girl? What are you, Marty McFly? Is this the enchantment under the sea dance?
1: Exactly my point. There's a difference of opinion. Where's Biff? Where is Biff? Where's Doc Brown? Lost in time. Is he at the hop? You see what not getting married gets you?
0: The photo is changing and his arm is disappearing. Yep. Get the sports almanac, damn it. Go to the hop? I love Judah. All right. Personal question you don't have to answer if you don't want to. Challenging question and applicable question. You're a single man. Does this concern you? Are you going to go to the hop and look to find a partner? Mm-hmm. And what are your dancing I'm, skills like?
1: I've never been much of a dancer. Probably because I didn't go to the hop enough.
0: <laughs> or you're not wearing the jean shorts. Yeah. And you're wearing the flannel button down in the pants in the 100 degree summertime.
1: Yeah. I, don't, I also don't have the... Uh...
0: Genuine, genuine question. Does this worry you?
1: Yeah, it worries me. Uh, I think uh, it should worry all of us. Uh, we're looking at it's like we're looking at the gun that uh, that China is currently uh, terrified by. They spent so long telling people that they couldn't have more than uh, more than one child, and now they're looking at a uh, population decline that's going to have a a massive effect on their on their economy. And I think the United States. Will eventually be facing that same gun. We're going to look back and say, "Oh man, we we've, we've done something horribly wrong in uh, in the way we've the way our country is developed, and we spent too long watching watching families fall apart until it came to the point where we're at now, where, as he suggests." One in, three, one in three young people may never even consider getting married. And what is that going to do to One
0: us? in three is an astronomical number.
1: Yeah. And what is that going to do to our population? There's, there's
0: and, may- and what is that going to do? Okay, I apologize for interrupting. What is that going to do in comparison to those that choose to get married? It's going to further the wealth divide. It's going to further the gap between the haves and have-nots.
1: I don't think it's all just wealth, though. I mean, a lot of what he talks about is happiness. Oh, he's talking about
0: happiness. He's straight up talking about happiness. Yeah. He's Um, talking about happiness before wealth. Go ahead. Keep going. You're on a roll there. I apologize.
1: I mean, I think you're right. that uh, There will be a wealth divide. Um, There will also be a happiness divide. Um, I think... uh, I think this ties into a lot of what we've talked about in the, in the past about the way uh the way our country and and the world is changing and the way we see things and the way we deal with things and the way we we respond to things and I I don't think we've fully seen the uh the effects of of kids on uh, on iphones and ipads and we haven't truly. You're, you're on a roll here keep going keep going we haven't seen the effects of we haven't seen the the full effects
0: of covid of fear we haven't seen the full effects of social anxiety associated with screen times we haven't seen the full effects of the children who lost two years of education during the pandemic yeah, that's have, part of it, and there's... All this shit, all this stuff, excuse my language, is hitting the time, hitting the fan at exactly the same time. COVID, the pandemic, screen time addiction, social anxiety associated with screen times.
1: And there's even more. There's there's the fact that newspapers are... are... Media deserts. Media deserts. There's. I read something recently saying that uh, there is a conspiracy theory... Where people believe that at some point so much of the internet is going to just be bots writing comments and, inter- and, in- and influencing how you and I
0: see things. We saw that perhaps with Russia and the first Trump run for presidency. Maybe. Perhaps. Whether, you know, some people believe that, some people don't. Politics aside.
1: Yeah, I'm not... not We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. One way or the other. Yeah. But how much of, you know, scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through Twitter or X, scrolling through other social media, how much of that is just some bot that's responding to another bot that's responding to another bot, and there are people that actually believe like that everything that comes through
0: Facebook was put there for them. What people don't realize is that Judah and I aren't actually human beings. We're actually AI. You well. you're interacting and watching artificial intelligence right now. In yeah. fact, if I go over to Judah by his chair, yeah, I can peel the skin off his face and it's going to be nothing but circuit yeah. breakers underneath. He makes a really good point. At the same Brad Wilcox's research, and I'm going to get to the viewer and listener comments here in a matter of moments. He's suggesting that one in three people, one in three young people, we're talking Gen Zers here. One in three are going to choose not to get married at all. And why they choose to not get married might be this Midas mindset of pursuing professional career, money, and and personal brand over love. Or it could be because they're byproducts of a divorced generation. It could be that
1: they see the horrors in the modern world and think to themselves. I want to say to myself. Why, why, would I, why would I foist this on another generation?
0: At the same time, this is, is, is materializing. <laughs> this dynamic is materializing. At the same time that we don't even understand what's happened truly yet Because of COVID and a pandemic, when three years of our lives were flipped completely upside down, especially young people, especially the same Gen Zers who have this one, who fit this one in three mold of not getting married, the 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 Gen Zers that he's talking about, the ones in his college classes now that he's talking about, Mm -hmm. are the ones that went two to three years of their lives dramatically impacted by COVID? Yeah, no doubt. Like, what has, what, have we, what has society or government or fear or an exploited pandemic done to a generation of people? I
1: don't think it's just the pandemic. I think, uh, I, you know, I think that uh, the reins have been out of our hands for a while, and we've been fortunate. I don't
0: buy that. I don't buy that. That's a feared fear mentality. The reins are always in my hands.
1: Yeah, you're talking about yourself personally. I'm talking about on a broader scale, on a uh, on a, on a civilizational scale. I think that uh the introduction of social media and easily you know easily uh, manipulated devices that we can stare at and uh and and enjoy our our own little echo chambers on is changing the way things changing the way we view things and I think for for a long enough time the, uh, the direction that the, that the horse and buggy was heading was generally favorable. So nobody minded or really, I think, made much noise about the fact that, hey, who's got the reins? And now we're getting to the point where we're starting to see some effects that should scare us, like, like what he's talking about. But I don't think we fully understand what's brought us to this point. And uh, now when you start looking for the reins, how do you, how do you, get, how do you get what he's talking about back on, back on track? And then, Can
0: you? And those that do get on track, what is the gap that they're going to create between those that don't? Because they figured out how to get back on track more efficiently. Vanessa Parkhill watching the program. Let's get to comments. We're going to have to view her and listen her comments here on the show. Vanessa Parkhill, get her photo on screen, please. She is number six in the family. She says this. My parents separated when I was young. It did not sour me on marriage. My husband and I have been together for over 30 years, and I know many couples who are similar. There are definitely still young people who believe in marriage. Finding your person is often the challenge, even for those who are looking for that relationship. No doubt. Carly Wagner watching the program. My parents also divorced when we were kids. Their marriage was so unhealthy and abusive in so many ways. I saw this impact my siblings negatively. It did not have me write off marriage, but rather decide to be sure who I married for the right reasons and commit to keeping the relationship healthy. good comments right there. Lynn Snyder she says success and happiness has nothing to do with the institution of marriage but marriages are successful when a partner supports you in growth and development of self of self. This does not mean you have to be married and certainly when you mirror this to children we they all grow. The patriarchal system of marriage is why divorce is so high. Kate charts. watching the program. Aside from accepting Jesus, she says, who you marry is the biggest decision and most life-changing thing you'll do. It makes everything better or everything worse depending on who you choose. That's why I am already praying for my kids' future spouses, even though they are all 10 and under. She's a great man. mom. I know uh, Kate personally. She's a fantastic mom. Mom of four. Randy O'Neill, the skeptic, says, America has never thought about making healthy people, healthier families, stronger or safer. Bill McChesney says, Back in the day, the horse and buggy kept you from traveling outside your birth county. It also created the possibility you would marry your second cousin. <laughs> Philip Dow says, amen, Kate Shartz. And Philip Dow also says, we need to go back to the horse and buck (laughs) here. Kevin Yancey says, this is just part of the disposable society we've allowed to take over. He says, today's society says, F it, throw in the towel and get another towel. Yeah. Deep Throat shares data, always shares data. He says, Judah, one commonality between China and the United States, fertility and marriage drops with the housing market, at least according to some observers. In China, the idea is man needs to own a home before he can get married, but housing in the big cities was very expensive relative to income due to speculation. He says, people say similar things about fertility in the United States. Yep. People will not have kids if they cannot get their house situation squared away. He says, "I'm not sure I buy it, but the argument is definitely out there."
1: I can see that. Uh, I can. See I can that totally an see effect that effect on, on certain on
0: certain people. I can totally see and that. What, I, I can totally see that. What do they call it? Dink. Uh, dink. Dual income, no kids. Yeah. Dinks. Because I think a lot of
1: people have that mindset that look either uh either we don't want to subject our kids to what's coming in the future or just that uh, we don't feel we don't feel secure enough in this uh in this political economic climate climate to uh to risk the kind of i mean you know when you have a kid you're talking about at least 18 years of of taking care of someone and that uh that extends to uh finances as well
0: this is a fantastic well said judah this is a fantastic point by mr blair here's an observation for you and judah to chew on i was speaking of screen time regulation earlier this week almost all the kids in that situation are the product of married parents hmm. screen time regulation and married parents yeah. most single parents cannot regulate screen time they may want to but the ability to do so just is not there Again, we are headed towards massive economic inequality. All of these things build upon each other. 100% agree. That's the point I'm trying to make here. No doubt. You have all these effing factors that are bubbling in the the pot on the stove. And you've got this big pot on the stove. And in the pot on the stove are all these ingredients. Mm. There's the effects of the pandemic when it comes to... Schools and hybrid learning and what was it called when we had to stay in our houses? Uh, Lockdown?
1: Yeah, lockdown.
0: And lockdown. Private schools open faster for in-person learning than public. What's the effect of that? Mm -hmm. What's the effect of taking preteens and teens and putting them in a house to learn on screen, and spend even more time on a screen for two years, for 24 to 36 months. Yeah. As opposed to being around their peers. And those teens are now young adults who are byproducts of screen time and byproducts of multi-generational divorced families. Those young adults are also entering the world at a time of the largest or greatest financial disparity or inequality maybe in American history when it comes to housing, yeah. when it comes to inflation, mm-hmm. credit card debt, and student loan debt?
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's similar to the idea behind the three-body problem in that if you take one issue, one problem, um, you, can, you can get a good idea of, the effects it might cause, the you know the, you can look down the road and see what see what's going to happen, but when you take all of these things together, it's very hard to judge which one is causing the most problems. Which you know is it all of them together, is it uh, one of them exacerbating another one of them, and I think uh, that's what I meant by by the uh, the horse and buggy being out of control. There are so many factors that I. Who, who can point to how all of these different things have shaped the, uh, the world we
0: live in now? What does that turn the world into? I don't think we'll know. Does that turn the world into a siloed, screen time world? Where know. relationships human connection, emotional connection, physical connection, sex conversation are done in silos away from people and through technology and screen. Like, is that where we're going? Part of it, yeah. Is where we're going, not face-to-face, in-person, human-to-human, But instead, emotional, physical, friendship, love, sex, through screen. Could be. And how do you birth a child that way? And what does that do to populations? What does that do to public schools that rely on enrollment for funding? What does that do to those that choose to get married, have kids, create wealth through marriage? We see wealth and marriage go hand in hand. Private education their kids. Does that further divide in future generations with the haves and have-nots? It's effing terrifying. I think there are
1: far-reaching consequences, and I don't think we fully... He he touches on like I said, if you can if you can look at. I need to get
0: Brad on the show. If you can look at. Should I get Brad on the show? Sure. Like I I I will text Brad Wilcox. I will I swear I will reach out to Brad Wilcox.
1: I think it'd be fascinating to hear what he has to say in in a in a broader uh, more open uh, platform.
0: I hope someone has reached out to Brad Wilcox and let him know we're giving him props on this program. His uh, in-laws are neighbors. It's 1.45. We have the juicy details at 2.15. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can continue some some of this discussion tomorrow. Unfortunately, I'm not getting to the Dave Matthews topic for a second straight day. I do have a Dave Matthews story I want to relay. He was nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The... University of Virginia was also pummeled by the Pitt Panthers last night. Pittsburgh looked dynamic, like they were unstoppable. I'm I'm not panicking when it comes to Virginia. I still think it's a tournament team. I'll close with what I started with. And what I started with was a George Bernard Shaw quote uh, that I found um, compelling. And that it's, a reasonable man never achieved anything. You ask my wife, she would probably call me unreasonable. (laughs) Um, Push yourself out of the status quo. Push yourself out of the social box or what you think society expects of you and do something different, something challenging, something that goes against safety and, and traditionalism, something that goes against the grain And I think what you will find is you'll learn something about yourself that you may have known was there, but were afraid to pursue it. Or you will find something about yourself that you may not have known was there at all. And I think you'll find that the highs in life um, require you to experience the lows first. Because when you've experienced the lows, then you know what the highs are feel like, and you want to pursue them even more. That's my two cents on the Valentine's Day edition of the I Love Seville show. We've gone an hour and 15 minutes on this program without stopping, and I think Judah Wickhauer did a fantastic job today. So long, everybody, and thank you for joining us.